This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And we're back. One more segment here on this dead season edition of Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. The Saints are about three weeks, give or take. Uh, away from the start of the 2023 training camp, they still have not announced official training camp dates, which we we have to be getting at some time in the next week or so. I can't imagine it takes much longer. I do know officially rookies report the 18th and vets the 25th. The 25th. I thought it was the 24th. No, 18th, uh, Tuesday the 18th for rookies and a week after for the vets. But then I'm assuming the first practice would be the 26th that we're at, but we haven't yet, like you said, gotten any official word from the team. Either the 26th or the 27th, because they'll have that. They have a press conference with Mickey always the day before. And I think that's required by the NFL. Like, I don't think he, if he had the choice, he wouldn't. It's kind of like the draft press conference, though. It's a whole, maybe it's better than the draft press conference, though, because you know, going in to the draft, they're not revealing anything to us. Yeah. He's, he's not as guarded. In right, this right. one, and there's, you know, there's also information that is helpful for him to give us. Whereas, as far as the draft, it's like just a competition to see who can get anything, even remotely interesting out of him. Not even like useful information. Just like, well, that was interesting. That's how they put their magnets up on the board. And stuff right, like that, right. You know? So yeah, we're kind of getting into this period of talking about stuff that doesn't matter. And so that's why I went through and I graded each position group and ranked them so that we can get get that you can you can get an idea of how wrong I'm going to be when the uh, tight ends are just the class of the NFL, right? And then that sort of thing. Because right now they're at the bottom of my list. But again, none of these are bad grades. Like 28.5 is the lowest. 40 is the highest. And this is a maximum of 50. So if you want to double that and get a lighter grade, go for it. I I didn't want to do that because I still think like your highest grade is an 80. That's a B minus C plus. And I don't think that puts the right spin on things in terms of 40 is an excellent grade. I'm not comparing them to other NFL teams, just comparing them to themselves. But to me, a 40 would be among the best in the NFL at at the position that has it. And we're going to get into that. So the first one I want to get into, there's four position groups left. One I put an asterisk next to because the way I'm grading these, it doesn't really factor in. You don't need depth at at special teams, right? You just need one really good kicker and one really good punter and one really good returner. And they typically don't get hurt. So... It's not somewhere that really makes sense in these gradings, but I do have special teams at a 37 because I think that from a starting perspective, I put them at a six. I think that's fair from a depth perspective. I'll put them at a seven. Dependability is six. Track record, eight, because as much as Willett sucked last year, he does have an excellent track record. 
Blake Gillikin has a great track record. I feel good about Rashid Jaheed as a returner. I feel good about the guys they have behind him, right? I think it's going to be a competition between Blake Griffin, Blake, Blake, Blake Griffin, <laughs> Blake Groupie, Will Lutz, Lou Headley, Blake Gillikin. It's too many Blakes. You know, there were times last year I thought Gillikin had an up and down season. It was very uh, inconsistent at times, but there were definitely moments where he was able to pin folks, which was impressive. And then other times you were left scratching your head. So, yeah, I, I just thought there was a little bit of inconsistency from Gillikin last season, uh, entering, you know, making you know that that case for a competition going into this year's camp, even. You know, and it's funny, like if uh, if Blake Groupie ever did beat out Will Lutz, you would end up having your kicker and punter both named Blake with the same initials, BGs, BG. Yeah, and then Lou Headley is just kind of a fascinating guy. But, like, that grade doesn't matter. Have him at a 37, which would be the second highest grade on the team. But I would not consider – like, it's like if you went around the NFL and graded these, they would probably be in the bottom half at a 37 because the way this stacks up, like, every special teams group would grade high. So I'm, I'm kind of taking them out of this in terms of putting them on their own and saying 37, which really I think should be a lot higher than, than 37. So I'm just going to put like an X through that now and say, I think the special teams group has the potential to be good and they need to be better than they were last year. I think Blake Gillikin actually had a rough season and it's just hard to, it's hard to gauge how good a punter is doing if they're not like kicking the ball, like if they're not just shanking it. Right. But I think in terms of the track record that he had established in that 2021 season where he was changing games, like yeah. I think the Washington game, the game against the, the commanders, when he punted the ball inside the three, like three different times and basically took every hope that they had away from them because they were constantly starting drives inside their own five yard line. One of them was an interception down at the goal line. Another one was almost a safety with a bad snap. He didn't really do that last year. He had opportunities. And I think in the, like the number of times you saw him make kicks that changed games in the positive last or in 2021, you saw him fail on opportunities or shank kicks in those chances in 2022 against the Bengals is a good example where the Saints were kicking it back to the Bengals up three late in the game. And that was everyone's going to blame Tyron Matthew and and I think I don't know Justin Evans I can't remember who maybe Bradley Roby on that Jamar Chase touchdown but one of the reasons that they had such an easy time getting to that position was because from a spot on the field which is about the forty where you could have split field position and made the Bengals had to drive the length of the field instead it was shanked out of bounds and so it made it they only had to go sixty yards to score a touchdown and they did it really quickly so it was easier to forget the punt but if you put them inside their own ten and you set up the defense and give them a lot more opportunity to, to do something and make a play, that, that's a different game. Uh, they might still lose, but the punter did not put his defense in a good position. And so I think Blake, Blake Gillikin, I almost called him Blake Griffin again. Blake Gillikin, probably, if you asked him, he would say he didn't have his best year, and I think he has to step up this year too. Yeah, and like you were just touching on there, it was really surprising considering how much – of success and what a difference maker he was in 2021. And even in the preseason, remember he boomed that pun in green Bay 81 yard kick. Right. And then ended up getting drug tested randomly afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the legs always going to be there. The power is going to be there. It's the, uh, 
uh, the the I don't even know what to say accuracy. It's the it's the big moment kicks that yeah. have a lot more weight. Then it's like I know that you put him at the twenty yard line, he can boom it with the best of them. But it's like when you're kicking from your forty, and you have a chance to pin them, that's where you got to do it. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I I would say overall, obviously the the special teams. When you look at the kicking, at least punting and field goal was was a pretty big letdown last year. Yeah, for if uh, at a position where for years it was one of the Saints' biggest advantages, yeah. <laughs> they were. You know, I don't I don't want to say they were bad. Like, there's a lot of teams that are bad on special teams. I don't think the Saints were technically one of them. But it, when you lose that advantage, it becomes a disadvantage, right? And so that's why it's hard to gauge because, yeah. like, they were not bad. They were just on par with a lot of the average special teams groups around the NFL. And even in the kick return game, like, they didn't have Deontay Hardy setting up these big returns. Rashid Jaheed was fine, but he wasn't great. Um, I think he'll be better, but either way. So we saw that's him enough. stumble a few times. <laughs> yeah, he, he, didn't, he didn't break any games open. He didn't set up any huge moments. He was consistent. And you need consistency out of the kicking game. For it to be a weapon, it needs to be good. You know, you need to be elite. And they just weren't that. So hopefully they can get back to that. Um, but anyway, that's kicking. Or that's the special teams group. We're going to kind of put them out there. The next highest. So we went tight end, quarterback, defensive tackle, linebacker, offensive line, defensive line, wide receiver. The next group up, which is graded at a 33 and tied with the, the next group, is safety. That's Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, then after that, it's another position where I'm not sure who factors in. Kind of like defensive tackle, I feel a little bit better about it because I think Jordan Howden is going to be a good a good pick. You know, I think from what we've seen, I think he's going to be a contributor. He, he kind of reminds me like the same way C.J. Gardner-Johnson early in his career. You could see it. You could see the vision. You could see the athleticism. You could see he was an NFL-ready guy. Um, he's also a lunatic, but, you know, I, I don't think Jordan Howden from a – from a volatility perspective is the same, but from a, from an athleticism, from a perspective of, you can see him impacting the game in positive ways from the start. I put him in that category. So the starters, I have at a seven depth. I have at a six dependability. I have at a 6.5. These were tough because while Tyron, I think was as dependable as you can get, he played in all at 17 games. He led the team in solo tackles as much as people like to drag on him earlier in the season and he did struggle to start, he really came on middle of the season, late of the late in the season. He didn't miss a game. I think that dependability wise, he's as good as it gets. And Marcus may hurt might get suspended. I don't know what to expect. So that kind of drags it down because if it was just Tyron Matthews, dependability grade, I'd put it at a nine. If it, if it's everybody else, it ends up at a 6.5 Then track record, six playoff experience, just like Colin Saunders. I'll put it at 7.5 because Tyron Matthew is another player who knows how to what what it takes to get to a Super Bowl. He knows what it takes to win a Super Bowl. He knows what it feels like to lose a Super Bowl and to get uh, kind of your soul taken out of your body by Tom Brady. Um, and that's useful experience. So I put them at a 33, which is right in the in the the you know not in the top, but it's pretty close. Yeah, and there's two players here. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Howden already, but also uh, a guy in Smoke Monday. Curious to Fan see, favorite. yeah, some reason. What, what he's going to bring. I mean, yeah, like you, when you got a name like that, everybody is intrigued to see what he's going to bring to the table here. And unfortunately, yeah, injury cut his short. In, injury cut his season short a year ago, so we don't have much to go on there. But the safety position, yeah, you you like you mentioned too. Even with Terrell Matthew, there were questions last season because it was like. 
Everyone's like, oh, he's lost a step. He's done. He's finished. He's washed up. The Honey Badgers, uh, he, he comes to, to New Orleans, and he's he's cashed out. He's finished. He's washed. And that wasn't the case at all. Yeah, like you mentioned, there were struggles early on, but definitely one of the brighter spots in the secondary, you know, for the rest of the season. I think he has, you know, you say lost a step, and I think that's a that's kind of a pejorative to some extent. But I do think, like, when you're talking about veteran players, you are going to lose a step. But there's kind of an inflection point where, same as DeMar Davis right now, is like, yeah, he's in his 30s. Of course he's not at, at his peak athleticism, right? That's just not how it works. Like, father time wins eventually. Yeah. But when you're a veteran player, there is a point where your understanding of the game combined with your athleticism allows you to play faster than your body might have allowed. Like, like you could have played faster earlier in your career, but your brain and your body were not in sync. So you were making up for maybe being slightly out of position by using that athleticism. Now you aren't out of position. And so your athleticism is still enough to get the job done. That's where DeMario is, in my opinion. And that's where Tyron is. Now, if you're asking him to chase down Jamar Chase, it's going to have a hard time, but you've got to put him in the right positions and he's got to understand where he has to be. And I think he does. And last year, one of the difficulties was he was trying to make up for the fact that he didn't have a starting deep safety. He didn't have a starting safety across from him that he knew. Marcus May, what did he play, eight games? Like That was a difficult position to be in when you're learning a new defense, when you have a lot of pressure on you to, to deliver. And I think the defense as a whole struggled, especially once Marshawn Lattimore went up. So I do think that Tyron, he's not, where he was maybe in like year three in Arizona or even that Super Bowl winning season sure. with the Chiefs, but he's still a very good safety and he's still someone that I trust implicitly to lead this group. Right. Because there's something to be said for that. Smoke Monday, I'm not going to talk about him until there's something to talk about. And right now there's nothing to talk about. I mean, he's been fine. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blow smoke into the smoke Monday train just because people want to hear about him. He hasn't really done a ton. And that's something you could say about a lot of people, right? And I've been watching Jordan Howden more closely because he's a rookie who they drafted and I think has looked good. I think Smoke has been very much in the middle of the pack and he's going to have a chance to elevate himself during training camp. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend that anything I saw from Smoke Monday during OTAs or minicamp is making me scream, oh my God, Smoke Monday is going to make this roster. He could. He could very much make the roster. If I had to pick a dark horse, which I've been on from the beginning, you can go back and check the tape. It'd be Anthony Orgy in terms of a a guy who you might not think is going to make the roster, who I think is going to make the roster, right? A UDFA is the only one I have making the roster. Smoke, he's going to compete. And if he takes a roster spot, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Jordan Howden's roster spot? Because I don't think it will be. Right. And then you have guys like Jonathan Abram, Ugo Amadi. How many safeties are you going to keep? That's the real question. And that's where you can decide whether you want to keep him around. But for now, I put them at a 33. And so let's move to the, the other 33, which is running back. And this grade should be way, way, way higher than it is. <laughs> and it is 100% Alvin Kamara's fault. But yeah, so starters in terms of Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, I could not ask for better. 8.5 probably could be a 9, maybe even a 9.5 if Alvin isn't coming off of the terrible season that he had. Depth, I put it at a 7.5, which is among the highest depth grades I've handed out. Then dependability, I'm putting it a four because I don't know how many games you're going to get out of Alvin Kamara. How is he going to be used? How is he going to work with Derek Carr? Haven't seen anything from Kendra Miller yet. Is he going to be 
100% in training camp? Is he going to be able to fulfill the needs of this offense when Alvin Kamara is inevitably suspended? I don't know. And that's why this grade is only a 33. It should be higher. It should be closer to a 40, but it's not. So I have dependability at a four, track record at a seven, playoff experience at a six. And that's probably higher than it should be too. But Alvin has been in high leverage playoff games. So I trust him. Jamal Williams has been in high leverage playoff games. So I trust him. And then you kind of go down the line and you have fullbacks and stuff. And, but yeah, I have them at a 33. This should be, I still have them a tick above the safety position, even though they have the same grade. I put them because you have these, these really intriguing names, but Alvin, you know, as, as much as I love Alvin, one of the pitfalls of this season is going to be, can this saints team navigate his absence, his planned absence and not planned because they want it planned because they have to plan for it at a level that, that they can maintain their status. It's like, can they go three and three in those games? Can they go two and four in those games? If you go one and five in the games that Alvin misses, that could tank your entire season, right? And we saw this in 2020 when he missed games, they struggled that five game losing streak. It wasn't just Trevor Simeon being the starting quarterback. Alvin Kamara also missed, I want to say four of those games. And so can you overcome that? That's why you went out and got Jamal Williams. That's why you drafted Kendra Miller. But it really does do a number on my on my optimism for this running back group and for this Saints offense. And that's really frustrating. And I'm taking it out on Alvin in these grades. Yeah, and, and behind those three that you're mentioning, what do we have right now? Only Eno Benjamin, right? Yeah, I mean, how many teams have a quality fourth running back? No, right? I I'm, just, I'm just thinking about what else is there considering, you know, what could happen with Alvin. Yeah, I mean, you know, Benjamin, I, you know, again, like kind of like I was saying with Traquan Smith, how many teams have a fourth running back who is youthful and has played in real situations? Eno Benjamin and, and the grand scheme is probably up there on that list, right? If you went through all 32 teams and listed out, the fourth best running back on every roster, however you want to set that up. I feel like the Saints are doing pretty well in that regard. I still think Kirk Merritt should be yeah. a running back on this list. Kind of like Ty Montgomery would have been a running back on this list. Because I think Kirk Merritt and Ty Montgomery are the same player. And when push comes to shove, I want to see Kirk Merritt make this roster before Eno Benjamin. And it's not because I don't like Eno Benjamin. I just think that the dual, the, the positional flexibility of a Kirk Merritt is really intriguing. And so, yeah, but that's that's just where I land on the running back position. No, I'm excited about the group overall, though. Uh, obviously, uh, with the new addition in Kendra Miller and Jamal Williams. But, yeah, the, the question then is going to be, too, with Alvin. We know the suspension is going to be coming. When does it get handed down and how long kind of thing? When is it going to affect this team? You know, beginning of the year, middle, at the end. Who knows still at this point, which is kind of frustrating, obviously. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and that court case is scheduled to start on July 31st, so yeah. we're only a few weeks away. If it does, if there's no out of court settlement, which I still think there will be, even though we haven't heard any rumblings, it just 
feels crazy to me that that Alvin's camp would allow this to go to trial. I don't know. But yeah, yeah maybe as we get closer to the deadline with stuff, things will happen. You always hear, you know, deals end up occurring closer to deadline kind of well, thing. Look at, the, look at the Fox News thing with with uh, oh, what's it called? Like the Dominion, right? Everyone was like, oh, that's not going to settle. No way that settles. No way that settles. And then yeah. when you know it, a couple hours before the trial starts, Fox is like, you know what? Let's let's figure this out. Um, and and they, they settled, right? So, like, I think it's a lot of posturing. And, you know, this is obviously more of a it, – it's a different game here because that was a defamation type thing. And this is a, you know, assault and battery type thing, which is a much different legal structure. But – at the end of the day, money, money talks. And <laughs> the, the biggest uh, concern yeah. is obviously you keep hearing these talks of, oh, Alvin Kamara could end up getting time in prison. I really don't see that happening. But man, that would be unreal. Yeah, I, I would be very surprised. And mainly because like, yeah, sure. If Alvin had like a bunch of prior incidents, there's NFL players who could go on trial for this this type of thing and not get the luxury of being able to say, oh, this is my first offense. Yeah. But Alvin does get to say that. And that, that, I mean, that should go a long way, right? Like it would be crazy to me if it didn't, but either way, um, it's a question that the Saints have to answer that they shouldn't have to answer. And that is on Alvin and it's frustrating. And I I guess really tough for your, I guess your, the, the rankings too. It's like, obviously you can put Taysom Hill in this group here easily as well. I agree with that. You could put him in the quarterback group because that right, would probably no, be more yeah, accurate. Yeah, um, Adam everywhere. <laughs> of the of all the practices we've watched, Taysom Hill has practiced at quarterback twice and at tight end once. So, like whatever position you want to call him, yeah, he's going to be a part of the running game. I, it's it's funny because I don't consider him a running back because I've never seen him take a handoff. Have you? I, I don't know if he has ever taken a handoff from a quarterback, tucked it, and gone upfield. But he is a major part of the running game. Right. So whatever you want to call it, it's the same way like Lamar Jackson is a major part of the Ravens running game. He's not a running back. Josh Allen is a major part of the Bills running game, puts up a ton of rushing yards. He's not a running back. So I kind of consider that with Taysom Hill too, but the difference being Taysom Hill is not a huge part of the Saints passing game. So I can't call him a quarterback. (laughs) Yeah. And really not, well, at least definitely not last year, a huge part of the receiving game. He is a running tight end or whatever. Like it's, he is, he is one of one. Like it's, yeah, there is exactly. no one else that you can compare him to and say, this guy's doing the same thing. Like Marcus Mariota with the Titan or with the Raiders might be a good example. Felipe Franks with the Falcons. Maybe what the Panthers tried to do with Tommy Myers, not Tommy Myers. What was his name? Um, the guy the Saints drafted. Yeah, I can't think of that. I, I, you know, they spent all that capital to get him, and then they let him go. I wouldn't say all that capital. They sent a future seventh-round pick. Oh, that no, never mind. Yeah, that they packaged a bunch up to get, um, what's his name, the, the tight end that went to Denver. Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, uh, Troutman. Troutman. Thank you. Yeah, they, they what was it, like five or six picks to get Troutman? Yeah. Tommy Stevens. Tommy That's Stevens. it. Good old Tommy, Tommy Myers. Stevens. Tommy Myers is actually a tight end who went was from Coventry, Connecticut, who I grew up with. And went to play at UConn. He was a tight end at UConn. <laughs> that's so, why you were so, stuck with that name. The Tommy Stevens. I also think that there is a Tommy Myers who maybe played for the Saints. Yeah, there's a there's a Saints safety named Tommy Myers who's in the Team Hall of Fame. Different guy. That's not who I was thinking of. But at least there is a Saints reference point there. But all right. 
Let's move on to the number one position on this Saints roster. I don't think it's a huge surprise. And they are number one by a lot. Like running back and safety are both at 33. Cornerback is at 40. Wow. And I mean, it's just, you. not only do you have this, the top end starting caliber players, you have depth, you have postseason experience in at least a couple of them. Um, uh, you have dependability, which, you know, if you had asked me before last season about dependability, I would have told you, you're talking about an eight or a nine this year, knowing what happened to Marshawn last year, which isn't really fair, but he missed right. about eight games, you know, like that's going to hurt your dependability. There was a lot of injuries at the cornerback position last year, right? You ended up with Chris Harris starting multiple games. Um, but yeah, so at cornerback starters, I'm giving a nine. Depth, I'm giving a nine. Dependability, an eight. Because even with that Marshawn injury, he has been incredibly dependable. He played with a broken thumb for a majority of the 2022 season, or sorry, 2021 season, and looked good doing it. The only difference was he couldn't intercept balls because they were bouncing off of his hands. He would have intercepted them, but he physically couldn't. That's how dependable he's been. Track record, eight. I mean, I don't think you get any better than Marshawn has been. And then playoff experience, I'm putting it at a six. Because even though Marshawn has a good amount of playoff experience anyone in that 2017 draft class does because 2017 18 19 20 they were mainstays in the playoffs anyone who showed up the last two years has not but you know six is probably unfair because Bradley Roby has won a Super Bowl so in this sense I probably am underselling them so I'm actually gonna bump this up to a 7.5 because I actually wasn't even thinking about Roby when I made that grade so I'm gonna put him at a 41.5 if I put the defensive tackle position at a 7.5, then I have to at least put the cornerbacks at a at a 7.5 because Roby has won a Super Bowl too. But yeah, so you have Lattimore, you have Adebo, you have Alante Taylor, you have Bradley Roby. One through four, I'm not sure you're going to find a better cornerback room with Roby at the slot. I still think Adebo is probably going to win out the starting job at a camp, and that could change midseason. I just think that the the track record there is is very impressive and you're going to be cross training Taylor at slot uh which you have already started and that's going to I don't want it's not going to work against him but I think it's going to give Rob or Roby Adebo a chance to stand out in camp um and I think he will just like he did last year I expect him to be a star of camp again just like he was last year with no refs on the field oh well, hopefully and, uh, then yeah. all those pass breakups turn into pass interceptions that's what I want to see. Really, seriously. <laughs> I, I'd like to see him having spent his offseason working on his ball skills. Yeah. Because when you can when you can knock the ball away, that's a great play. When you can intercept the ball, that is a game-changing play. And it's the type of thing that while Alante did not get interceptions, he set them up, and it's just a matter of him catching them. And one of them was was you know negated by a really bad penalty call i don't even think it was a penalty it was just a really bad call on chris harris another one was negated because they said he was juggling the ball as he went out of bounds which i think was bullshit too uh one of them got tipped right at the ball by olamide zacchaeus i don't know why i remember that specifically but it happened and it's a fantastic name (laughs) yeah and uh i think it's actually alamide and then he had another one so like he should have had minimum two maximum of four yeah and in the long run i think that ability to kind of set up plays and make that interception is going to pay off and he's going to be the starter but one way or another deciding between a debo and alante is a good problem to have and that's why like that group in my opinion if they can stay healthy the way they did not last year they have a chance to dominate games and hopefully they can do that because i think if this saints team is going to excel 
it's going to get consistency on offense from Derek Carr and Juwan Johnson and these groups that are down toward the bottom. And it's going to get elite defensive secondary play from Tyron Matthew and Marcus May and Marshawn Lattimore and whoever starts at corner and whoever's in the slot. Like you're going to need that. And that's going to be this Saints team's claim to fame. And so like this, this group is by far the best on the team, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I love the group, love the the depth here too. The biggest thing, uh, you mentioned it a little bit there, it's like just being able to come up with those interceptions. Uh, we saw, unfortunately, last season, for whatever reason, Taran Matthew was really the only guy uh, doing anything back there except for uh, you know the, the safety that came over for Kansas City and seemed to be in the right place at the right time. Daniel Sorensen. Yeah, I don't even know where he is now. I think he's a free agent. Okay. I don't think he signed anywhere. Yeah, um, not like he was anything special, but it was a decent ended up being a decent depth guy for this team last year. But anyway, uh, yeah, the interceptions have to come for this group, and you know, not having Marshawn obviously for a good chunk of last season hurt. Seeing him come back game one, boom, game winning pick six against Philly was right. Huge. And yeah, he just makes that difference out there. I mean, they. I think they beat the Bucks in Week 13 if Marshawn's out there, right? Like to, to me, like if you're trying to look at one game that could have changed the season that his presence would have directly impacted. Yeah. It's that week 13 game against the Bucks, especially when you see Paulson and Debo getting called for that pass interference penalty at the goal line, guarding a guy he should have never been asked to guard. Guarding a guy you ended the season saying he's not a guy you have to worry about because Marshawn's going to take him away. At the end of both games, both Bucks games, both games they had a chance to win. Marshawn was not on the field and that game specifically just because you had that lead and you had a chance the games went similarly like they weren't that different of games great point the first one wasn't an injury he got tossed yeah he got tossed along with Mike Evans so Paulson didn't have to guard Mike Evans Paulson wasn't even on the field that was actually Elante Taylor's first game because Paulson was he missed the first three maybe four with that uh lower body injury I can't remember maybe it was an ankle but yeah so that game and then you look at the the Bengals game because who would who would Marshawn have been shadowing around would have been Jamar Chase, right? And so instead, you're trying to get it done with a group. You're trying to get Tyron to give help. And I think it was Roby. It might have been Roby. I can't recall. But either way, they got burned. And, you know, the, like those are the games that if you had him out there, you probably win. And you saw like the Eagles game, they probably lose if Marshawn's not on the field. Like you saw that second half was going. If Marshawn's not there to make that play, to really set that up, a play that he said that he saw in the first half, they ran it to A.J. Brown. They kind of that delayed throw out, out wide. And he saw it. It worked. And he made a mental note of it, came back in the second half, down north the goal line, and he was like, okay, I see it. It's coming. Breaks on it. Touchdown. Changes the game. And that's the type of play that Marshawn can make because that's the type of player that Marshawn is. Your elite players are the ones that that should make the difference between wins and losses in close games. And he needs to be on the field to do that. So hopefully he can stay healthy and they can they can get it out of him. No, it's a great point right there. You need those big difference makers. And sadly, on going back to the offensive side of the ball, man, there was just not that person to be that difference maker last season. And I, when it came to at least making that big play at the right time, whether we, we saw plenty of drops from everybody or the inability to just get that extra yard uh, instead of stepping out of bounds, whatever it was kind of thing, the offense just was not a well-oiled machine either last year. Well, when one of those elite players is not the quarterback, yeah, right, it's very difficult, right? Like you can have the greatest wide receiver in the world. If the quarterback can't get in the ball, it doesn't matter. And while I think Andy Dalton did a fine enough job, you could the expectation could never have been 
the offense is going to go win us this game. The defense always had to get it done Absolutely. because individually, individual star defensive players can impact a game in ways that individual star offensive players cannot, other than maybe a running back because a running back gets the ball regardless of whether the quarterback is good or not. They just have to hand it to him. So, yeah, it's it's if you have a star cornerback and you're expecting to him to impact games and he's not there, that affects you, in my opinion, a lot more than a star wide receiver not being there because you can make things work and rely on the other side of the ball. So anyway, I, I think these grades, if we want to go through them again, 28.5 at tight end group, 29 quarterback, <laughs> 29.5 defensive tackle, 30 linebacker, 31 offensive line, defensive line, 32.5 wide receiver, 33 safety, 33 running back, 41.5 cornerback. Special teams is also hanging out to the side at 37.5. And those grades are based off of the starting quality, the depth, the dependability, the track record, and the playoff experience all graded 0 to 10. So that's what I spent this morning doing, and that's what I spent this afternoon talking about. We are locked and loaded, getting ready for now Friday sports talk. Woohoo! WWL, woohoo! more Saints talk. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have a lot. We're going to have a lot. And so I think that w- that's what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks is we're going to do kind of one big episode in the middle of the week. We're going to use our Friday episode of Sports Talk, which I know, you know, isn't the most popular listened to episode. And we're going to look at one specific subject and kind of turn that into our Monday morning episode like we did this week. I know it's not ideal, but, you know, this is the time we're supposed to be taking time off. And so I'm trying to maximize my time off. So I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I need a couple of days. I've actually really very much enjoyed this week because I have not really done much work and it's been a lot of fun. Um, but I hope everyone enjoyed this this rankings. I think, you know, it, it's kind of silly, but I do think it gives, you know, it's, it's a good way to visualize the stitch, the strengths and the weaknesses or the relative strength and relative weaknesses of this roster. Because going into it, I really wasn't sure. I couldn't have told you out front where I might have ranked these things, especially like how it kind of shapes up against one another. Like the fact that cornerback is way above any other position. I, I wouldn't have said that until I kind of looked at it and be like, you know what? I think it is. Uh, so it's kind of a, an interesting thing. I'll put up a post on WWL that, that kind of lays it out in a text perspective so people can kind of get the the actual look at it. But I thought it was kind of interesting. I did too. And uh, I, I love the fact that, you know, you, you mentioned too, obviously this isn't stuff that's, that's set in stone. Things are going to change. But right now going into things, this is just the way you had viewed it. it. It's not future based on what future performances are. No, this is not predictive whatsoever. Although like the only one that might be predictive is like playoff experience because I expect those players to lead groups right like they they have to otherwise that is a waste of a guy who has a super bowl ring you know and that makes total sense to me but all right i think that's gonna wrap it up this has been a long episode so it's gonna take forever to edit but it'll be fun i'll go back and i'll agree with myself a whole lot anyway steve you got you got anything coming up on sports talk this week you want to plug uh, just getting ready now for the MLB draft. Going to be breaking down the prospects. And there's right. been talk about how Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz might not be the number one overall pick. I'm curious as to why. I think it's they ridiculous. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers might take a high schooler instead of one of the top LSU dudes. It would be impressive if the Steelers decided to take a to take a baseball player. Oh, yeah. Them too. Steelers, Pirates, same difference. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah check out check out sports talk steve hosts every day wwl am 870 fm 105.3 and on the free odyssey app just like this podcast if you haven't subscribed yet please do that follow us on youtube wwl sports 
Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Saints underscore pod, even though Elon is actively trying to tank the damn thing into the ground. Good time. Help us help you, Elon. Help us help you. But all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. It's been fun. Who dat? Go Saints. Later.